This is the fourth part this morning on our glorious future. Last week and this week, we're going to continue to talk about the rapture of the church. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. I don't always say this about taking notes, but I just think this would be a good study. I think it would be helpful to you to take notes, at least the very least, take down the scriptures and you can go back and study. Because y'all, there's all kinds of, I don't want to make you doubt something you didn't doubt, okay? But I will say this, there's lots of, there are many different uh, theories and teachings concerning the rapture, the millennium, the second coming. When is the rapture? Is it a rapture? Is it just a spiritual thing? Is the millennium just spiritual? Are we in the millennium now? Uh, I think the Bible is very clear on it. I'm not confused by it. I'm really not. I see it clearly in the Word of God. But whether you want to call it confusion or you want to call it uh, uh, false doctrines of, and seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, there's much uh, disagreement within those that claim to know Christ. I can't testify if everybody knows Christ or doesn't know Christ, but I see it very clearly in the Bible. And it would be good to take the Scriptures down for yourself because at some point you're going to need to know them. You'll need to know them for yourself first of all, and you'll need to know them to maybe reassure yourself if you ever doubt or to, uh, to talk to a Christian brother or sister that might, uh, might not see it correctly from the Word of God. And so uh, the two clearest passages, I'm saying it a lot, but I want you to get these, is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, pretty much that whole chapter, but specifically verses 51 through 58 speak about the rapture. And 1 Thessalonians, which we're going to read this morning, you can go on and turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is where we'll begin this morning. If you've ever been to a funeral, a Christian funeral, okay, and I'm sure that you have, you have probably heard this scripture read or quoted or part of it. I have done it myself many, many times. And we're going to start here in, in it, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant. So isn't that good? He starts off. He doesn't want us to be ignorant about what he's getting ready to say. Certainly not about anything in the word of God, but he's highlighting this right here. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. So he's talking to Christian brothers and sisters concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. I've been to funerals where the people had no hope because the person that died didn't know Christ. There's no hope for that. It's appointed unto man once to die, but after that, the judgment. There's no more hope for a person who died outside of the Lord. This is why we, we're ambassadors for Christ. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We need to be compelling men to come to the Lord. Paul says, by all men save some. We know the Lord saves them, but you know, understand what he means by that. So, Others that don't know the Lord, others that are outside of the body of Christ, others that are not under the blood of Jesus and not part of the family of God, have not been made new. There is no hope for them and there's no hope for their believing family members that are still living to ever see them again. It is truly hopeless. Okay, we always say with men, it's impossible, not with God. There's, you know, God always gives hope, but it's only in the Lord. It's not outside of the Lord. But if we believe, there's the faith again. Do you believe this? If we, Paul includes himself in this, believe that Christ died and rose again. I believe that. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, 
that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There are a lot of things that are not comforting. If I told you you had to go through a seven year tribulation period, that would not be comforting. If I told you you had to face the, the Antichrist and, and choose to, to, to buy and sell and feed your children and so forth or not, that wouldn't be comforting. But to know that the Lord is coming to the clouds to rapture his church is a comfort. It is to be a comfort. God intended it to, for it to be that. What we just read here is, is a very clear, every word, every sentence, every, every verse is very clear description of what we call the rapture of the church. I'll say it again. The word rapture, the English word rapture is not found in the Bible. But you see in verse 17 where it says, we shall be, we which are alive and may remain shall be what? Caught up. There's two words there, caught up. And that's the English word. We get the English word rapture. And this, what we're describing here is, uh, is the rapture of the church. What God is describing is a catching away. It's something that's very sudden. It's something that's very quick, right? It says in 1 Corinthians, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And it means literally an atom of time. I mean, it's, it's that quick. And that's uh, what the, the, the way the Word of God describes it. So the word caught up. And this, this y'all, is, is the fulfillment. When this takes place, when what we just read takes place, that will be a literal fulfillment of what we read earlier this morning during the music service, John 14, 1 through 3. When Jesus says... Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's many mansions in my father's house. I will go to my father's house. It's very clear. And prepare a place for you. And I will come again and, and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. What we're reading, what we read this morning, will be a fulfillment of that promise that Jesus made to his disciples, okay? The rapture of the church. It is the hope of the church. It is called the hope of the church. In fact, it's called the blessed hope of the church in, in Titus. And so I want to just talk to you just real quickly this morning about the rapture and about this word rapture. This, this word is used in other places in Scripture. And I'm just going to read them again. If you're taking notes, this is a good one. You know that, that account of Philip in Acts chapter 8 when he's preaching in Samaria. And there's great revival and uh, people are getting saved. And the Lord takes him and says, get out to the desert road, which leads to Gaza. You know, and he goes out there and there's that Ethiopian eunuch, a man of great authority. And he's, he's riding up in his chariot. And he's drawn near to him, the Lord says. And so here's, here's uh, Philip on foot. He draws near and he hears the man reading from Isaiah, the prophecy in Isaiah 53, which talks about the Lord's death and why he died and shed his blood for our sins. And, and he says, who, who, is, uh, 
who's the prophet talking about here? He turns to Philip and says, who's the prophet? Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless some man tells me? Do you understand what you're reading? And he says, is the man talking about himself or someone else, the prophet? And, he, and Philip jumped up in the, in the chariot with him and began to preach Christ to him and the man got saved. So all this has happened over a short period of time. And he had talked to him about water baptism. And the Ethiopian says, here's some water here. Is anything hindering me from being baptized now? He says, do you believe in, with all your heart? He says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said, well, let's do it. And they jump down. He baptizes him in water. And it says, and when they will come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away. It's the exact same word as rapture. It happened quickly and suddenly. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And, and he went on his way rejoicing. So the eunuch's happy. He's born again. Got the gift of eternal life. His whole life's been transformed in a moment. He's heading home rejoicing. He got to see a miracle and, and get to see his minister, Philip, caught away and raptured away. And Philip was found in Azotus and ended up going to other places and preaching in Caesarea. That's just a picture. He said he saw him no more. So that's how quickly it happened. He didn't see him like vanish and slowly fade away like end of a movie where the screen kind of goes black. It was sudden. It was something very quick. That's the same word rapture. The Bible says that when this takes place, and we talked about this last week, one of the main things that's going to take place is the redemption of our bodies. Romans chapter 8 uh, another key passage on the rapture it deals with the glorified body as well. There, we're saved. If you're born again, you're born again. Your spirit, your soul, if you died, you'd go to heaven right now. But our body is obviously not redeemed. How many have been to the doctor in your life? Taken medicine, stubbed your toe, broke a bone, gotten a headache. You, our body's not perfect. It's getting older, it's getting weaker, it's getting slower. Uh, and the body that we have is going to be totally and completely changed. It will be a glorified body like unto his glorious body. We're waiting. And Paul says groaning for the redemption of our body where this corruption puts on incorruption. This mortal body puts on immortality. That is going to happen. It's going to take place at the rapture in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And. That's a further description uh, of this. And so, uh, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body. That's this one that we have. And there is a spiritual body. There is a spiritual body. And that's what we're going to receive at the rapture. We talked a lot about that last week. If you missed it or didn't hear it and want to uh, go to either the YouTube channel or the website, you can watch that. But that is what we're promised. And, and the Bible says in Philippians 3 that who shall change our vile body, that it may be made like unto his glorious body. The big difference between vile and glorious, right? He shall change future, even for saved people. He's talking to the church at Philippi. Shall change these our vile bodies. And Paul included his own in that, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. And so I'm not going to take any more time this morning on the glorified body. But the Lord will descend into the clouds from heaven. Every, every aspect of this is important. 
When I said at the beginning, there's confusion, there's debate. Uh, there really shouldn't be from the word of God. He's going to descend. If he's going to descend, the Lord, where is he coming from? He's coming from heaven. He already told his disciples, I'm going to my father's house. I'm preparing a place for you in my father's house. And the Bible says that, um, that in, in Psalm 11, 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. So there's no confusion about that. Where's the Lord? He's in heaven. He's, he's omnipresent. He's, he can be everywhere by, by his spirit and his presence. But his throne where he is, resides and is established is in heaven. So when Jesus says, I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to come again, he's coming from that place. It's clear. Just look at the scriptures. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to see this. And so he's going to descend into the clouds from heaven and instantly catch, catch away, gather together. And this word rapture also means to transport or to carry away. So it's not just a grabbing, but it's a grabbing and a snatching and gathering together and to transport and, and move us away. He's going to re, re, transport his redeemed from the earth where we will be. We which are alive and remain. OK, from the earth to his father's house, to heaven. He, the Bible says them he will bring with him. He's going to bring us with him to heaven. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So again, it, I don't think you have to be. This is, this is how I've always viewed the Bible since I really committed my life to the Lord. There was times I wasn't committed to the Lord. But since the day I really did commit to the Lord and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Spirit, the Lord has helped me to just believe His Word. Just take it as it is. Rest upon it. Stand upon it. You may not understand it all perfectly. A greater understanding might come next week. It might come in heaven. Okay? But rest upon it. He's given me the grace just to believe it. I don't have to debate it. I don't have to go to a bunch of other books to convince me that what God already said in his word is true. And I'm thankful for that because that has helped me. I think it would help anybody. And, and, and you have the same Holy Spirit living inside of you. So I don't argue these things. I don't sit around at home and stay up at nights wondering if the rapture is true. You understand what I'm saying? I've read it. This is what he told me in his word. I could hear a thousand other theories. Oh, it's not like you think. It's really this. And you need to know, know this in the Greek and the Hebrew. And, and uh, you know, Calvin said this. And, and Augustine said this. And I don't need all that. And I'm not knocking anybody else. And I do read other Christians' books and commentaries. Okay? But I don't need that to convince me of what God's word has told me. He told me. That as soon as I got saved, I passed from death to life. He told me I'm saved by grace, not by works. By putting my faith in him. He told me that he told me in his word that Jesus literally rose again bodily from the dead the third day after he had died on the cross for the sins of the world. I believe it. I believe it just like that. Have I ever seen anybody raised from the dead? No, but I believe it. You understand what I mean? Have I ever seen the rapture? No, it's never taken place. But I believe it. And, and I just thank God for the faith to trust him and, and to believe him for like that. I'm not saying I never doubt things, but 
when God's word says it, we, let's just lay hold on it. God is a God of order. So we're, if you're still in your passage there in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, just through this passage, they're called the dead in Christ. Paul calls them the dead in Christ. He says, them which are asleep. And he says, which sleep in Jesus. All three phrases or terms are speaking about believers who have died at the time that Paul was writing this, okay? Believers who have died. I think I said this last week, but nowhere in the Bible does God use the term of them which sleep for, for people that are outside of Christ or unbelievers. Let's put it that way. Sleeping. Remember when, when Lazarus had died and Jesus and his disciples were away at the time? They got word of it. And now after the fourth day, they're going to go and, and see him. He's, and, and they said, he, he said clearly he's died, but he says, our friend Lazarus sleepeth. That's never used for a lost person. That's used for believers. Them which sleep in Jesus. The dead in Christ. But you don't hear dead people outside of the Lord say, well, they're just sleeping. You understand that it's not, that's not the term that's used. <clears throat> so God's a God of order. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then they, then we, Paul includes himself in, in this, which are alive and remain. Okay, so I just want to read this. Back to 1 Corinthians 15, if you're taking notes, I'll read it quickly. Back in that chapter of the rapture, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead. So God's a God of order. And become the first fruits of them that slept. There's that word again, slept. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. So Christ is the first one. Other people were raised from the dead before Jesus was, actually. You know, we talked in Sunday school this morning. Katie and Damon mentioned uh, Elijah raised the Shunammite woman's uh, son from the dead. And Elisha raised somebody from the dead. Lazarus raised somebody from the dead. The widow at Nain, Jesus raised her son from the dead. Other people were raised, but Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. He's the first one that was raised in a glorified body. The others were raised like Lazarus got his old body back, I guess. Healthy and well. At some point later, he died again. He didn't live. He's not still living today. Not on the earth. Um, and so Christ is the first fruits of the res resurrection. And it says afterwards, they that are Christ, that belong to Christ at his coming. So God's a God of order. Jesus leads the way. He said, because I live, you shall live also. He's shown us through example. He's more than an example, but he is an example as well of that glorified body that is going to be ours one day. It will be a body of flesh and, and uh, bones and spirit, not flesh and blood. Okay. Now, here's the, here's the question we're going to talk about today. Is when will this event take place? This would be like the million dollar question, right? When is this going to take place? How will we know when it's going to take place? How can we get ready for it? What are the signs that we're looking for that it would take place? This is an absolutely key scripture on this. And I'm going to read it. But if you're taking notes, Matthew 24, 36. Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about many, uh, at that time, things that were future. 
His disciples ask him three different questions about the future uh, in establishing his kingdom and so forth. And he, he says specifically of the rapture, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. And that's pretty, Jesus said this, of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. We can say it's a little mystery. How does the Father know it, but not the Son? Aren't they both God? And I've thought about all these things. I'm just going to leave it with the Lord. Okay? He's got it. There'll be some time when the Father says to His Son, go get your bride, go get your church, and He will come, and that's when it will be. Okay? There's a whole wonderful illustration and comparison that maybe at some point in the future we as a church will study. The, the picture of the Jewish wedding and the rapture of the church is unbelievably similar. It's wonderful to know. It's a good picture. I don't have to know that to believe in the rapture, but it's a wonderful illustration that will make you draw, your jaw hit the floor when you hear it. The traditions of the Jewish wedding and the rapture. Okay, it's a beautiful picture. But he says, of that day and hour knoweth no man. So that tells me right there, nobody knows. No, not the angels of heaven. They don't know. But my Father only. But here's, here's what we do know. The rapture is imminent. It's not a word you'll find in the Bible either. Imminent. I-M-M-I-N-E-N-T. Imminent. And I looked it up in a Webster's Dictionary. It means about to happen. It means impending. The rapture of the church is about to happen. It is impending. We know that from the Word of God. And I love in the Webster's Dictionary, it gives those two words, those two definitions. And then it gives an example. And it says, this is the example in the Webster's Dictionary of an imminent. His arrival is imminent. And I thought, how perfect. His arrival is imminent. And so we know this, that Paul... Now, you've got to, we could build a doctrine. You build a doctrine line upon line, right? Precept upon precept, here or there, little there, little. We build it by the, the whole counsel of God. You don't cherry pick a scripture and go out and build your religion off of it. You can't. People have said you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. There, that might be possible, you know, but, but if you rightly divide it, it says what God intends for it to say. And it says it from Genesis to Revelation. It's constant. It's continuing. It doesn't disagree with itself. It's a constant theme. Okay. Throughout. And so we are given the Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth to give us understanding. Paul. So this would be part of that. How do we know the rapture is imminent? How do we know that it could happen at any time? Well, Apostle Paul, and I'm using round figures here, lived about 2000 years ago. And the Apostle Paul was looking for the rapture in his day. So let it sink in for a second. It's been 2,000 years since then. It hasn't happened yet. But Paul was looking for the rapture in his day. I think that's very important. And he's instructing men, the believers, the body of Christ, to look for the rapture in their day. Peter looked for the rapture in his day. The early church looked for the rapture in their day. It didn't happen in 1988. Some of y'all that are a little older can remember I was at eight reasons to, or 88 reasons the Lord is going to come in 88. I never gave it any heed myself because the Bible says of that hour, day and hour knoweth no man. But there were people that were promising they figured it out. Angels don't know. Jesus doesn't know. 
but these people figured out when the rapture was going to come. And they sold a lot of books for a little short period of time. Of course, after it didn't happen, you know, they just kind of fade back into the woodwork and go away. The rapture didn't happen in 1988. They, they based it on the last trumpet. They figured the trumpets from Israel became a nation officially. The UN declared them as a nation and on May the 14th, 1948. They figured 40 years from that, that's May the 14th of 88. It's going to happen right around then, the last trumpet. And, and yet it didn't happen. So we know that that was false. And we're not told anywhere in the Bible that you try to figure it out. You know, I'll give some wise person sitting up on a mountaintop or out in the woods, I'm going to show them. Jesus doesn't know, according to the Word of God. Now that's, like I said, a mystery to me. But he says, my Father only. Uh, it didn't happen at those times. But the fact that we're t- teaching that it's imminent means that, that Paul was... We get that from the sense that the, the disciples were looking. Paul was looking. The early church was looking in their day. We which are alive and remain. We shall be caught up with the Lord. He doesn't say, don't worry about any of this, y'all. So unfortunately, the rapture is not going to happen in our day. But there's going to be some generations down the road. There will be some more prophecies to get them ready for that. But, you know, sorry. It's not in our day. It didn't happen in their day, but it could have. It could have. Okay? And I'll just read this from Acts 1-7. When, when the disciple Jesus had risen from the dead, He's about to ascend back to the Father on the, on the, at the Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem. His disciples are with Him. He, and they ask Him, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? Jesus' answer was, He said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put in His own power. So there are some things like that, future things that as far as the specific time, and the rapture is obviously one of those, that we are not given to know. We're not supposed to know. We just need to know that it is about to happen, impending. His arrival is imminent, like Webster said. And so, I'm not, that doesn't give us an excuse to be ignorant of the Bible. Just the fact that we don't know when the rapture is and we're not supposed to know what it is, that doesn't mean you can check your brain out and say, well, I don't have to study my Bible. All that future stuff is just future stuff. God will figure it out. Uh, we're talking specifically about the rapture of the church. And of the rapture knows no man the day or the season. Because we are supposed to know what's going on in our world, spiritually speaking. All right? Jesus said to the, the Pharisees, but they called them hypocrites. He says, Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? It is important for us to discern the signs of the times. There are signs of not the rapture, but there are signs of the second coming. There are signs of of uh, the end age. It's called the last days, the latter days, the end days, the end times, perilous times. We're seeing signs of that. And we're supposed to be aware that that's what, the, the hour in which we're living. Okay, The rapture is going to happen uh, before that. And here's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're focusing in on the fact that the rapture is imminent. It can happen at any time, at any moment. And here's the deal. Nothing must precede the rapture of the church. So just let it sink in for a second. I, I, you know these things, but nothing must precede, precede the rapture of the church. 
biblically speaking, uh, prophetically speaking, nothing else has to take place before the rapture can take place. There's not one unfulfilled prophecy for the rapture because there's really not prophecies for the rapture in that sense. Other than what we just read in 1 Thessalonians, the Lord's going to do it one day. So nothing must proceed. I'll give this example, being a, a sports fan. Okay, if I'm, if, if I'm going to a football game and it's going to kick off in about five minutes and I'm just getting to my seat or whatever, I couldn't say that the fourth quarter or overtime is impending. Fourth quarter could not happen at any moment. Before the fourth quarter comes, there has to be kickoff in the first quarter, in the second quarter, in the halftime, in the third quarter, and then the fourth quarter can happen. Okay, that makes sense. The fourth quarter is not impending when I get there. It could not happen at any moment, right? It could be a weather delay. The game could get canceled and never even finished. The fourth quarter is not impending. It is out there in the future. And that's a good example of the rapture of the church. I mean, of the, of the, the, not, the, the, the rapture could happen any time. There's nothing that has to precede it. The second coming of the Lord is not imminent. I hope I'm not confusing y'all. The rapture and the second coming are two different events. They're two separate and distinct events. The rapture of the church is imminent, impending, could happen at any moment. Bam, before I finish this sentence, we're all gone. Hallelujah. Amen. The second coming of the church of Christ is not. The second coming of Christ is not imminent. It is assured that it's going to happen because God's made the promise is not a liar. It's impossible for him to lie. Okay? So that would, the, the second coming would be more like the fourth quarter. It's going to happen but there are things that happen, have to happen before the second coming happens. Amen. The rapture, there's nothing else that has to take place. Therefore, it is imminent. It could happen at any moment, the rapture of the church. Biblically speaking, the second coming has to have things happen before it. The millennium has to have, have things happen before the millennium can start. Um, there are lots of things that have to take place, and we'll look at some of those in a moment. Now, when we say that the rapture is imminent, it does not mean that it will happen today. It simply means it could happen today. So the preacher is not a liar, okay? Because he said the rapture could happen today, and we wake up Monday morning, and the rapture didn't happen Sunday today. That preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. No, that doesn't change the fact that the rapture is imminent. It simply means it could happen at any time. And so it didn't, it may not occur today, but it could. And knowing that it could should change my life. Knowing that the rapture could take place should change the way I live for God, the witness to people, serve God, put away worldly things, get my focus on the Lord, live for God, live for eternity, live for what's important, live that when I see Him, I won't be ashamed that His coming. Press into the Lord. Tell people about Jesus. It, it ought to have that effect upon my life. We're going to have a whole sermon dedicated just to that in a week or so. But uh, the rapture could take place and the redeemed of the Lord are to be looking for it. The Bible says that, uh, that we're going to be changed in a moment, <clears throat> excuse me, in the twinkling of an eye and that we look for, we look for His appearing. 
we look for his appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're to live in light of his imminent appearing or rapture of his church. And he said we, his church hadn't been raptured yet, but it will. Christ has not come yet in the clouds to catch away his people and transport us to heaven, but he will. And many saints of God, think of it this way, many, including Paul and Peter and those we read from. Many saints of God had lived and died and not yet been raptured. But does that mean they were fools to believe in a rapture? You understand the point? It, they were to be looking for, they're going to be raptured. It just hasn't, it's not God's time yet. It's simply not His time yet, but they were, they were not fools to be looking. They weren't wrong to expect the rapture in their day. Peter and Paul's bodies one day will re be redeemed and glorified right at the same time ours are. They're going to go just a moment before us. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. The early church was not wrong to look for that. They weren't fools. They weren't confused. They weren't biblically illiterate. They didn't have their eschatology and their end times timelines messed up. Uh, they didn't have their prophecies out of order. And you and I are to trust and believe that the rapture is imminent. It doesn't change all the other stuff that's going to follow after it. But the rapture is imminent. His appearing may not happen today, but it could. I always remember this. I know I've shared it before that when our boys were younger and um, they would be either heading off to school or we'd be bringing them to school. I can remember every single morning saying, keep looking unto Jesus. We might meet in the clouds today. We might meet each other in the clouds today. You know, kissing them goodbye or whatever for the day, sending them off to school. We might meet in the class today. We might meet in the air today. Well, they didn't. So somebody else that in an arrogant way might think, what a, what a fool she was to, to teach her children that. That's a silly, superstitious belief. And yet, we're not fools because the Bible says it's imminent. There's not a lot of things that are imminent, but the rapture of the church is something that's imminent. With the, with the uh, shout of God, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, the rapture is imminent. The second coming is not. Okay? Is not. Let's look at it for just a moment. The, rap, the, the second coming of Christ, according to the Scriptures, cannot happen today. Just think about it. The second coming of the Lord. Not the rapture. The second coming of the Lord cannot happen today. It cannot because... The, the, the Bible is false because there's many things that are laid out in the Scripture that have to take place before the second coming of the Lord. There were things that had to take place before the first coming of the Lord. He came in the fullness of time. He came in the right stage was set at the right time. He came in the fullness of time when God said everything else is in order and He sent His Son Jesus to, to be born of a virgin, right? There are things that have to be in place for the second coming. And so I'll give you a few of those. The, 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 the second coming of the Lord cannot come until the end of the tribulation period. That is an absolute biblical fact. If that's not true, let's just throw the whole thing out and go home. Let's go fishing. Let's go do something else. Go get a nap. But if it is true, then the Bible says that 
the Lord can't, cannot come back again to this earth and put his feet upon this earth at the second coming until the end of a seven year tribulation. At that point, point, there will be a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. And the Lord will be fighting on our behalf and on the behalf of Israel at that time against Antichrist and his armies. By that time, at the end of the seven year tribulation, Antichrist will have been revealed. He'll be known as being the Antichrist. He will be uh, fully come to power. He will have deceived and aligned nations from all over the four quarters of the earth to march upon Israel and upon Jerusalem by that time. That has not happened yet. Yes, there's anti-Semitism and all that. There's a spirit of Antichrist at work in the world. But this is very specific, what's going to take place. And the second coming of Christ cannot happen until that. He brings Christ's return and at the Battle of Armageddon on a white horse brings an end to the tribulation. That's the end of it. He comes and he wins this battle at Armageddon. You could actually, I've said it, calculate to the day the second coming of the Lord once the tribulation period starts. You could calculate it to the day and the Lord will be right on time. Three and a half, seven year tribulation according to the Jewish year calendar, three and a half year is a, is a halfway point and it marks um, where Antichrist desecrates the temple that will be rebuilt by that time in Jerusalem. There's another thing. A temple has to be rebuilt in Jerusalem before the Lord can come back the second time because he's going to reign during the millennial reign from a temple in Jerusalem. And so you could calculate to the day the second coming of the Lord. <clears throat> I want you to turn in your Bibles and look at this. I want to compare and contrast the second coming of the Lord and the rapture. They're both end times events, but they're not the same event. They're separated by at least seven years of time. All right, look in, in your Bibles at Matthew 24. Olivet Discourse, this is called. Matthew 24, starting in verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Daniel prophesied about end times things. He specifically prophesied about Antichrist. The Lord showed him way back then, captive in Babylon, about uh, the Antichrist going into the temple and desecrating it. Okay? In other words setting himself as God when he is the Antichrist in the temple of God, demanding to be worshipped as God. This is an abomination, God calls it. When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, skip down to verse 16, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field, return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them which give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect, I believe, Rightly dividing the word, that's Israel. For the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Can I tell you that none of that that we just read is descriptive of the rapture? Pray that the rapture doesn't happen in the winter. Well, what would that matter? 
It's a moment. It's a twinkle of an eye. If, if, it's, if that was the rapture, what, what would it, nobody would have time to go back and get anything out of their house anyway, and they wouldn't care to. We wouldn't, if we wanted to, we couldn't be able to. It would, it, it's not descriptive. There are two different events. That's not descriptive of a rapture, of a catching away. That's the scripture of great tribulation, and if it wasn't shortened, nobody would live through it. But God's merciful, and He shortens it for the elect's sake. Okay, and so that what we just read are the things that are during the tribulation preceding the second coming of the Lord, which is very detailed and very descriptive. The timeline and events that have to happen first. Second coming is not imminent. What's happened? Listen, y'all. All of the abomination of desolation, all of Daniel's prophecies about the end times, all the book of Revelations, basically from chapters 5 through chapter 19, verse 11, when the Lord comes back on a white horse, all of that is unfulfilled. All of that has to be fulfilled before the Lord can come back. There are two witnesses that we read about in the book of Revelation that come and testify of the Lord, and the Lord protects them, and then they're killed, and their bodies are left in the, in the streets of Jerusalem, and then God raises them up. Uh, uh, three or four days later, I forgot, four days, I think. And the destruction of spiritual Babylon and the one world religion, the destruction of economic Babylon, um, the 144,000 that are sealed, that minister during the tribulation, that are born again, believers during the all that has to be fulfilled. There are seven sealed judgments. There are seven trumpet judgments. There are seven vile or bold judgments. All in the book of Revelation. None of that has taken place yet. That all has to take place before the second coming of the Lord. And he comes back in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And all that stuff that I just mentioned and more has to precede it. Second coming is not imminent, but nothing, not one thing must take place before the rapture of the church. How many of you know there are a lot of signs of the times? Love of many shall wax cold. There'll be seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Men will depart from the, the faith, right? Uh, people will turn their ears from the truth and heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. Uh, men will be abusers of themselves of mankind. All kinds of things that the Bible says. Disobedient, proud, blasphemers. All that's been on the planet since Adam and Eve sinned. But it's increasing. Those are signs of the times. But there are this many signs for the rapture. Paul said, we, me, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with the Lord. We. And there's no signs for the rapture. I want to read a quote from Dave Hunt here. Speaking, he's got a book written on, on the rapture and the millennial reign and so forth. He says, Paul repeatedly encouraged those of his generation to expect that great event, the rapture, in their times. For Paul to encourage his contemporaries to expect Christ's rapture at any time, if in fact he could not return until after the great tribulation or Armageddon of the millennium, would have been inexcusable deception. I agree with that. If I'm telling you the rapture could happen tomorrow and I already know it can't happen for X number of years, and that would be deceiving on my part. Deception on my part. Paul was not deceiving. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable, including what the Lord wrote to him. Amen? And so, uh, I got one more passage 
that I want to read, y'all. I wanted I want us to, to, to lay hold on the fact this morning that the rapture is imminent. How close are we? We're close. How close are we? We're at least two thousand years closer than Paul was. I can tell you that much. I'm at least two thousand years closer than that. And so if we are seeing signs of the second coming, which I think we are, and signs of the things leading up to a one world religion that has to be, and a one world economic system, you don't have to be brilliant to know that that's going on right now. We're being set up for a cashless society, a, a one world economy, a one world global governance and so forth. Uh, that's being set up now. We're seeing signs of the times. And those signs would point to eventually a, sec, a tribulation period which lasts for seven years and it, it will culminate with the return of Christ to the earth. Amen. If I'm seeing those signs now, then we're, we're that much closer to the rapture. At least seven years. I mean, we're at least seven years before the second coming, so we're close to the rapture, okay? We're close to the rapture. There are no signs for the rapture. And uh, we're, we're getting very close. And Israel is going to be rescued and so forth. But I want, I want to read this. Israel will be rescued at the second coming. Zechariah, the last, last scripture. I'll, no, I'll, I'll tell you what. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 12. If you're doing a study on the second coming, we look at it up. Zechariah 14, and we just don't have time this morning to go there. But Luke chapter 12, verse 35. This is what we're going to close with this morning. Luke 12, 35. I believe this is speaking of the, about the rapture. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning, and ye yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he were returned from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them, them so blessed are those servants. And so I believe this is speaking about being ready for the rapture, being ready to meet the Lord. The Bible does say that we don't want to be ashamed at his coming, but don't confuse the rapture and the second coming. I just we, we have so many more verses I could talk about this morning. I feel like the Lord would have us to, to stop there. But in Hebrews chapter uh, nine, verse 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear. That's the rapture. The second time without sin unto salvation. We are to be looking. From, look, from whence we look for, for the Lord and Savior. His appearing. Says in Philippians 3. And y'all, it could happen at any moment. And I just don't want you and I don't want myself to be confused. But we don't have to be. The fact that the rapture is imminent. The fact that God could catch us away very soon. And don't let anybody uh, rob your hope of that. Somebody that says we're in the millennium now. Well, wait, if I'm in the millennium, when, when was the second coming? You know, when, when was the rapture of the church? I don't get it. And you, you start 
this doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense. And what about this scripture? And what about that scripture? And what about... Don't be troubled. We need to believe in the... Jesus said, believe, you believe in God, believe also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then Paul gives us that passage that we read this morning. Right? The, the trump of God and so forth. And we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the clouds. That's not Him coming back to the earth. That's Him catching us away to heaven. He will come back to the earth at the end of the tribulation period. And He says the armies of God following Him. That will be us following the Lord back to the earth at the end of this tribulation. At the second coming of the Lord. The rapture is not that event. We ought to be ready for the rapture now. Just like Dee used to tell our boys. We might meet in the clouds today. We might not have prayer tonight because we'll be having a worship service around the Lord in heaven. Around His throne. There will be a marriage supper of the Lamb after the rapture takes place and sometime in heaven before the second coming and so forth. These are things that we're to look forward to. It's not sticking your head in the clouds and pretending like there's no troubles on earth. Or the, you know, my pipes might burst if I don't leave the water running or whatever. We have this life and we live this life. But our heart is to be fixed in heaven. And I don't want the, the, the devil to steal our hope of that. I don't want a man or a theologian or someone else to convince me otherwise. I want to hang on to that hope. It's a blessed hope of the church. Amen. Do you can come. Y'all can stand with me this morning. And can we just worship the Lord around his, uh, the foot of the cross this morning at these altars? Find a place to meet with the Lord and call upon him.